1: You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Dennis Wall. Dennis is the founder of Cognoa. Dennis, welcome to the show.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: That's pleasure is all mine. So, Dennis, let's start with yourself. Can you give us a quick overview of your journey in technology from where you started out, some of the roles you've held along the way, and, and take us up to just before you founded Cognoa?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm trained as a, a computational geneticist. I got my PhD at University of California, Berkeley in the program in integrative biology. I did I did work on the interface of computational sciences with genetics, where I was really just trying to identify patterns and genes that would be informative for a variety of different reasons. That went well, and I can get into more details on that if you're interested. And I I moved from there to Stanford, where I I did a postdoctoral fellowship in computational genomics, furthering this journey along the investigation into genetics, increasingly into human genetics as the human genome became more available. And as we started to increase our understanding of the medical actionability of the genome, and through that, of course, harnessed a lot of computational skills in a variety of different areas, including statistical learning approaches that we are commonly using today, like methods in machine learning and artificial intelligence to create predictive models that would be useful for diagnostics, prognostics, and so forth. So, anyways, a lot of this was done in, in a domain free kind of series of exercises. In other words, not focused specifically on a clinical action, more just on the methodologies of let's say biomedical informatics to understand what of the genome is actionable and how we could take action with it. But all, all along the way, I, I'd wanted to find a way to, to do something of, of value. And my sister, my, my wife has a sister who has severe autism, and I've known her since I've been in high school and since I was a teenager. Her name is Becky and I've seen firsthand what comes with autism, both good and bad. It's a very complex condition, has a series of phenotypic manifestations or let's say features, behavioral and otherwise that, are, that, are, that can range from mild, to me, from mild to medium to severe and, and so forth. And Becky happens to have a very severe form of autism. And uh, th- thankfully, I was recruited uh, from Stanford to Harvard Medical School uh, as a faculty, a junior faculty, and I, I got the opportunity being in a medical school to really think about medicine and think about what I could do practically for, for medical applications and harnessing some of these statistical skills that I, I had developed in my training for a specific purpose. And I made my lab focus then on, on autism. And uh, I, I began to seek funding and, and opportunities to grow the lab so that we could actually investigate the genetics of autism. It is interestingly, a very genetic condition. It's 90% concordant between identical twins. So there's a story there. There's definitely a genetic story. Yet the genes have were then and remain now very complicated. The, the genetic roots of autism remain still unknown. But I foraged forward and started working with genetic information at that time. We were getting it from Boston Children's Hospital, these were ch- blood draws, essentially, from children. We are getting transcriptional data, the mRNA readouts from the blood of children with and without autism. And we couldn't figure anything out. Nothing was working. N- you know, there was no real signal there. And, and I began to scratch my head and wonder why, like, what are we missing? And, and that led me down the path of really trying to understand how we actually diagnose autism. How do we measure autism in in a medical framework and in a formal clinical establishment. And I realized at that time, as I started to shadow clinicians and learn and train on the, on the, the formal clinical processes used for for diagnosing autism, that it was highly subjective, highly cumbersome, very long, and then concomitantly realized that the the fact that it's long and cumbersome leads to these extremely long waiting lists for getting access to diagnoses, which, which are actually what gate access to reimbursement for therapeutic services. And so I became immediately focused on the phenotype of autism. I I wanted to, at that time, figure out how we could quantify the autism phenotype objectively and do so in a way that would be mobile, nimble, and, and, and significantly faster than the current standard of care. And so this was a great opportunity for me to take the machine learning Skills and tools that I I knew well for the purposes of computational genetics and begin to apply them actually to the understanding of the autism phenotype with very simple questions. Can we reduce the complexity of the analysis of a child, as far as features are concerned that are observable and useful for diagnostics, without loss of accuracy, without losing the clinical accuracy? And the answer to that was resolutely yes. In fact, at the time we were able to show that we could reduce the complexity of the measurements required for an autism diagnosis by over 90%. Which
1: which sort of sets up, and thank you so much for sharing sure, the journey, sure. all of what you've talked about is the step-by-step evolution of your what would become your eventual founding company, Cognoa. So I think it's a great segue into... Yeah explain the mission of cognoa add to it because the the mission is already clear what you're trying to accomplish but if you were to to take a step back and explain to an audience of people who've never come across cognoa before what is the overall objective of the business
2: yeah the objective of cognoa is to mobilize and greatly quicken the diagnosis of autism so that children everywhere can be identified as early as possible so that they can start their journey on therapy, which is ex- which is extraordinarily impactful. So the initial goal of Cognoa, there are several interrelated goals, but the initial goal of, of Cognoa is right now ex- is laser focused on t- using artificial intelligence in mobile devices with short video clips of children to rapidly diagnose kids in the primary care setting. Why is this important? Because we know that if kids are identified early and get early interventional therapy, they can actually progress to a point where they no longer qualify for an autism diagnosis. So, right now in, in the United States, at least, the incidence of autism is close to one in 40, and it's been rising dramatically over the last decade. And it's similar elsewhere across the globe, similar in terms of I- incidence. And so, the prevalence of autism is increasing dramatically. And unfortunately, because of the standard of care processes utilized today for diagnosing and detecting autism, the waiting lists remain long and the average age of diagnosis is stubbornly hovering right around five years of age. And that's already at the edge of the opportunity space for these interventional services therapies to have the impacts that we know they can have. So the immediate goal is to get the kids diagnosed and to actually leverage, to really empower primary care physicians, these are general pediatricians, to do much more than they are currently able to do today and to do it on a phone, really to do it with a mobile device and to do it in tandem with the parents or, or you know, primary care providers, enabling them to deliver information that is digested by Cognoa's product, which is called Canvas DX, to render a diagnosis right there on the spot.
1: Amazing, amazing. So, jumping straight into the technology behind this and how you and the team at Cognoa are utilizing modern advancements in, in, in technology, combining that with, with diagnoses and healthcare. Can you give us some insight into the, the journey and, and the implementation of this? What role AI, whether it's machine learning, computer vision, uh, plays in, in helping Cognoa achieve this?
2: Absolutely. Initially, The sort of the sandbox in which I played, so to speak, to develop the initial algorithms for Cognola, was the electronic medical record. So this is essentially categorical ordinal measurements of children rendered as a consequence of delivering the standard of care diagnostic practice. And so there there are these standard instruments that are out there, and they have many features on them, observable features that are measured by a clinical practitioner and and then deposited it into the electronic medical record. And it set, becomes extremely amenable to machine learning of a number of different kinds. In this case, one could apply straightforward logistic regression-type classifiers, although those are not highly performant. Other other approaches would include things like decision trees, random forests, and things like that. So nonlinear approaches, but approaches that are like pretty robust to class imbalance and, and and things like that. So we tried a number of those sorts of techniques and settled on the on on a very robust one. So at one level it's supervised machine learning with held out cross validation steps, hyperparameter tuning and then validation, the standard sort of steps that you'd take in a machine learning exercise. But all of that so that was the like sort of the initial goals there, but Ultimately, we realized that we can see these features. And so that tells us what features are important. That tells us like, okay, there's a, a handful of features that are extremely relevant and the rest are relatively redundant. And we published numbers of papers on all of this. But what it told us was essentially what features to look for. And then we realized we can actually see these features in videos, in, in, including very rough cut YouTube home videos, like videos of the child doing what they normally do. And of length, let's say two minutes. Literally somewhere between 90 and 120 seconds of, of video feed in that short time span, the features that are necessary, according to our own understanding of the observables important for diagnosing autism are observable in those videos. And so naturally that leads to the development of computer vision techniques, but in a very directed and purposeful way where we can start to use methodologies that combine the development of ground truth labeled data sets, but not so onerously so that we can perform exercises like transfer learning on deep nets that are already out there and available and get those deep nets to be as good as they are at, let's say, object detection, signposts from street signs and cars and trucks and tables and chairs, get, get a model that's really good at that, which we have to be just as good as it is at detecting those objects as just as good at detecting something that we need to see in autism, like joint attention, social smiling, eye contact, idiosyncratic use of hands and things like that. Increasingly, you can move away from the supervised random forest sort of approaches to fully automated observational AI that's looking at the videos and and identifying the features in real time.
0: You are listening to the oldest podcast when you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com.
1: So Dennis, yeah, I know you guys have been working at this for some time now, I believe coming up on eight years, which is incredible. And during that period, there's been a lot of advancements in the technology that you're utilizing, namely computer vision and machine learning. Can you give us some insight into what the journey has been like from when you first founded it to the early days of building the team and give us an inside look at what the current makeup of Cognoa as a broader business, but then the actual AI and data team?
2: We've become really good at automatic detection of key features in video, or so, so computer vision models, identifying key features indicative of the autism phenotype. And that's fantastic because it's rapid, it's robust, it's objective, it's data-driven, it's quantifiable. That's all good from a data science perspective. From a clinical perspective, it means we can do diagnoses, but it also means we can track the children over time. This is something that's lost in medicine today. We don't have a great way. This is true across the board, I would argue, of passively measuring in a quantitative way progression of a developmental trajectory, in this case, autism or any other kind of medical condition for for that matter. But it's so important, right? We need to know, is the child who has a diagnosis of autism moving in a positive way? direction or not. And, and Cognoa's instruments are able to do that. We're able to, to identify that, the positive trajectory the or the less positive trajectories and make decisions as a consequence of that. So there's lots more that will be coming as a consequence of Cognoa's tool that are really going to guide the, the clinical journey for the child in a very positive way, which gets to the next part of artificial intelligence and leveraging it. It's not just that we can measure phenotype and track progression, but we can actually Intervene with AI. And we've built some tools, and Cognoa is actually taking these forward now to affect the child's progression very directly using computer vision artificial intelligence. One really good example of this is the super power glass program. This is a computer vision system built on Google Glasses, which, believe it or not, still live and are still available and still an incredibly powerful product to deliver augmented reality therapy to children in real time and so basically you want to think about this as an opportunity to i guess stepping back for a second what are the deficits of autism children with autism unanimously struggle to understand emotion and faces they they struggle almost unanimously to make socially motivated eye contact, and even when they don't know how to interpret the face with respect to standard emotions, like happy as distinct from sad, as distinct from surprised, as distinct from afraid. These are the fundamental starting points for behavioral therapy that I already indicated is quite powerful and and can often really change a, a child in a very positive way. The problem with the way we do therapy today is that it's with flashcards, essentially reinforcing a variety of different human emotions, but you could only capture so much of the variability in human faces on, on flashcards. And sometimes actually the flashcard that indicates angry is a bearded man. And so maladaptively children may associate you know, beardedness with angriness and things like that. So we, we decided let's fix that. We can actually fix that pretty robustly and naturalize the emotion recognition and eye contact training that's a staple of the behavioral therapy that's delivered today into the homes of the environment of the child, where they need it, with the people they they interact with daily their 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 parents, their siblings, their family members, and to do so, utilizing this really cool form factor of augmented reality embodied by the Google Glass system. So we built a computer vision toolkit that would really work within the natural homes with all the lighting variation and head tilt pose variations and all those sorts of things, shadows. So that it would be robust in real time it it uh, works by interfacing with the google glass system we leverage the outward facing camera which watches the world around the around the the child who's wearing the glasses captures images of, of individuals with whom the child is interacting and with our computer vision toolkit we can process those faces we can identify that there are faces and then we process what those faces are emoting and provide those emotional cues back to the child in the peripheral monitor or heads-up display that's associated with these Google Glass systems, which by the way are lensless. And so the cool thing about that is that it it sits in the periphery. It's off to the right. It's essentially an audible at the line of scrimmage or a Jiminy Cricket on the shoulder of the child, lightly suggesting to the child to look to the faces, encouraging them to make more eye contact, and providing them in real time the emotive the, the expressions that are being. Uh, exhibited by the humans with whom they're interacting so we took this all the way through to a clinically test we we, we clinically tested it showed it's robust showed that it changes the children and soon Cognil will be bringing this tool and others like it forward as the second part of the AI journey that we we, we can deliver to people with with autism and I think to do so in, in a way that really scales right I mean a lot of medicine today is difficult to reach. Think about the pandemic we've just gone through and how it has highlighted telemedical services as a critical part of medicine. Cognoa has already been doing these things for a while, but doing so with very robust and intelligent AI. It's incredible. And.
1: You're obviously getting the recognition and congratulations on the recent FDA approval. It's, it's very exciting times for this technology. Dennis, final question from me obviously, an amazing eight year journey to, to bring you to where you're at today. When you look ahead at the, the next few years for Cognoa, what are you most excited about?
2: I am most excited about driving down the average age of diagnosis from where it is roughly four, four and a half, five years. Of- of age to two and i'm excited about then delivering really impactful therapy to all children not just children in the united states but globally so that we can actually see the prevalence of autism go down
1: what a great mission to to be a part of and I'm sure for everyone who's currently working at cognoa that must be such an amazing motivating factor to achieve that goal Dennis thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey, sharing everything about Cognoa and the amazing work that you guys are doing. I'm sure every single person listening is willing you and your team on to succeed because the impact that this can have is profound. We really wish you and, and everyone at Cognoa all the best.
2: Thank you so much. It's been great to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the All Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.